And we are live. Welcome to this latest episode of Totally Unscripted. My name is Martin Hoxie. I'm joined, as always, by Charles and Steve. Hello. Hey, Martin. Charles. Hey, Steve. Hey, Martin. How are you guys doing? Hello, everybody. So we are good. And uh, we've got a very secret guest uh, for this episode. Um, I'm sure no one's ever heard of him before. Uh, <laughs> Sarcasm. Uh, <laughs> Does probably, it... probably not possible. If, you, <laughs> if you've done any development around workspace, you definitely know his code, know his samples, know his content. Uh, you probably know his name. I don't think he needs a broad introduction. Why don't we just bring him on and let him introduce himself or reintroduce himself? Hello. Hello. There Kalina. he is. Kalina. Right. Welcome back. Yeah, thanks. I'm so excited to be here today. Thanks so much for inviting me to the show. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, so first of all, no surprise, Eric has definitely kept in touch with all of us, even though he's taken a slightly different path. But uh, we thought it'd be super awesome to have you come back and, and reminisce a little, but also tell us, you know, uh, where Eric, you know, V2 is, is off to and, and talk about it. So real quick, if anybody doesn't know you, which again, probably not possible in this crowd, but we do have some new folks that have, have joined and, and listened along. Eric, why don't you intro yourself? Yeah, sure. So hi, I'm Eric Kalita. Uh, I am here because I spent 12 years at Google as a developer relations engineer with the majority of that time spent in our workspace division. So for a long time, I worked solely on the app script team, um, helping uh, launch documentation and samples and a bunch of other stuff, do support for uh, a large portion of, of time of AppScript history, um, as well as eventually broadening into workspace more generally. So working with the Gmail API, I, I had a lot of fun helping launch the Google Sheets API, for instance, with the Sheets team and, and a bunch of other workspace APIs. So um, although that knowledge is starting to fade since I've been uh, a little over a year out of day-to-day -day workspace life, I still have a pretty good grasp, I think, on on most aspects of most workspace developers. So one of the reasons I definitely wanted to invite you back is because even though you left, you haven't left. You still are active in forums. You still answer questions. You still watch stuff. Um, you're getting some great calls out by in the, in the comments, by the way, of folks from uh, who remember you from the past. But I don't feel like you really left. I think you've always been here. Um, but let me ask you a question. You mentioned you were in DevRel for a long time. Um, you didn't start off in you know the workspace side, the app script side. What got you to start working with app script? How'd you get here? How'd you get started with app script? Yeah, so when I when I joined Google, it was in our ads developer relations team, and as you know, ads is a big deal at Google, and it was it was exciting to be in that part of the the business. But it's relatively dry, especially on the developer side. The only people that need to use ads APIs are companies that are sending so many ads to the Google system that they can't do it by hand. They need to automate. That's really only a small percentage of your largest advertisers, and so it's like a high volume kind of high stress. Uh, type of developer relations, like the stakes are high, money's on the line, you know, it's very tense. And uh, towards the end of my time on that team was when we were launching AdWords scripts, which was taking the app script engine and applying it within an AdWords context. And so it was using some of the app script technology, not all of it, some of the, the services were not available, um, but it also introduced some cool new kind of AdWords only functionality. For instance, you could preview a script, run a script in kind of a dry run mode to see how your campaigns would change if you ran that script. So the idea was to take 
what was available in our AdWords APIs and bring it down to a level that someone who is more of a power user in the AdWords tool could leverage. And that was my introduction to AppScript. And I discovered that the AppScript team was right in the same office where I worked the whole time. I hadn't known it. And I actually had a colleague who was a manager on that team. And he was saying, hey, what? we have an open role. Why don't you come on over? And so for me, AppScript seemed like a great other side of the coin. You know, Rather than big, large company, high stress, high volume, this was personal scale, someone's individual spreadsheet. Um, a fun project, uh, something goofy, right? And so I kind of was really interested to come see, I don't know, kind of the lighter side of DevRel. And uh, I really got hooked, not just for its funness sake, but I also got hooked on how AppScript kind of really empowered people. And uh, I really get a lot of fun watching people take it and, you know, take control of their tooling and of their workspace uh, using AppScript. So you got to see it for a long period of time. In fact, a lot of folks you know, especially folks tuning into this, really kind of see you as one of the the faces of of AppScript and the kind of the movement. And in many ways, you're also one of the historians, right? You've kind of seen it all. Um, you know, you got to see the evolution. You got to see it change. What were some of the pivotal moments? Like, what kind of struck you as, wow, this is this thing is is really becoming effective or useful or growing or capturing a lot of imagination? Like, what, what what's that background you remember? Yeah. So when I joined AppScript. You know, it was already decently well established, um, but it, it definitely changed a lot while I was there. If I had to call out maybe some of the tectonic shifts in AppScript, certainly one that happened not too long after I joined was the introduction of the HTML service mm. and web apps and really kind of the doubling down in that space. Um, that really took it out of the spreadsheet. It, it was born in the spreadsheets team mm -hmm. and was very much a spreadsheet-centric product and remains obviously a key part of the spreadsheet experience. But I think web apps and HTML service really started to bring it out of that spreadsheet mindset into a much larger general purpose tooling sort of a mindset. Um, and so that was definitely one big shift. And then the next big shift after that was, I think, the introduction of add-ons, where we went from a single script for yourself sort of idea to a using AppScript to build out reusable tooling that you could distribute across all users. Um, I think those, I probably called those out as the two kind of largest tectonic shifts in the product, although there were lots of other, you know, smaller pivots that I think are also noteworthy. I do recall there was a pivot for a while with script DB, um, where at the time it kind of made sense, but then eventually we had more opportunities within the Google Cloud itself, right? Yeah, script DB was a, that's a <laughs> that was a tough one. I, I loved ScriptDB as a user, I loved being able to have this built-in database, no setup, no management, no cost, mm. easy for storing small bits of data. Um, but eventually, I found myself campaigning for its, its, its demise. <laughs> oh, it's your fault then. Yeah. <laughs> a bunch of us at DevRel got to the point where we realized that a database tool, you, you can't just build 10% of a database because no one just stops at 10%. And when you talk about someone's data, the ability to potentially lose that data or mm -hmm, to have them not mm -hmm. be able to manage it or restore it. It, it, it felt like it was setting people up to fail if we continued to promote a database product that you know you can't rely on 100 percent. Right. Um, and so we felt like at the end of the day, if we weren't going to invest heavily in making ScriptDB a database product, which had its own complications with you know Google Cloud and this and the messaging around that, if we weren't going to invest in it fully, that we should rather turn over databasing, 
database technology to the people who specialize in database technology and say, let's see if we can find ways to make it easier to use Google's other databases inside of a script rather than try to build just the, the front portion of a database and not all of the hard parts. I guess the downside is we, it's that we still see that continual battle of using Sheets as a database. And I know you've written about the dangers of that in the past. Uh, yeah. do, do, you, do you see that, you know, in terms of where AppScript is going, do you think with the greater ecosystem around database options, is that kind of moving us away from Sheets as a database? Are you still seeing people opting for that route? I, yeah, and before you answer that question, I want to remind you and get your feedback on the fact that you and I did a session next a couple of years ago together, which was a great time. Um, and it was about turning spreadsheets into applications based on this topic. And it's amazing. There you go. If, if you, it's funny. It's just around 100,000 views, which A, scares me because, wow, 100,000 people tuned in to hear us. But then also... Um, a lot's even changed since then. So to, to carry on that question, what is the you know where do you see that evolution? How do, and what do you what do you think it's going to become, or what would you recommend folks think about when you're building a database, but you're trying to build a lightweight database? Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly, I think I, I, mean, I did write a blog post where the title was "Don't Use Google Sheets as a Database," so, <laughs> and I think there's a lot of nuance in there that was a bit of a grab, attention grabbing headline. Um, but I think the key is that. What many people in a script are doing are trying to store small amounts of data that they actually want to be able to see and touch, right? And I think a spreadsheet is a great place to store small amounts of information that you can interact with. I think ScriptDB was neither here nor there. It was kind of invisible. You couldn't touch it. You couldn't back it up. You couldn't download it as a CSV. But yet, it was also something that didn't have all the other alternatives. So I think there's always going to be a use case where a spreadsheet for whatever a small team's approval workflow, a spreadsheet as a database is okay. You're gonna open that spreadsheet. You're gonna look at the data. You might wanna make a chart off of it. Um, it's just that if, if your needs scale, that's not gonna be quite the right solution. Um, I've actually seen some people using spreadsheets for the idea, right? Uh, I might create a proof of concept on some sort of visual um, minimum viable product kind of comes into play and you can use leverage uh, uh, work, Google Workspace to you know, create your little idea, <laughs> try to get uh, to see if other people think it's a great idea. And then from there, you can maybe add a little bit more with the spreadsheet stuff, let's say, but eventually you need to scale out. Yeah, I think that's actually one of the core messages that Charles and I had in that, that presentation about growing. I think grow is the underlined word yeah. title where we do think that it's not that you always should dive straight into an application or that you should be stuck in a spreadsheet forever. But there is that continuum where a spreadsheet is a great way to prove the concept as you go. And so, yeah, start with a spreadsheet when you have only 100 records. But once you get up to 10,000, that means you're popular. It means that it's a good time to invest in what you've built. And if it ever just stayed at 100 records, that means it wasn't popular. And so you would be glad that you did not invest in what you built. And so I think that that's scaling your investment. The spreadsheet's boundary, the fact that a spreadsheet ends at some point, that it, 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 that it can't contain a very large amounts of data is actually kind of helpful. I mean, the timing may not always line up with where you are, but it's at least saying, hey, like I'm giving you a little nudge here to say what you've built is really popular and useful. And it's good time to think about how you can take it to the next level, how you can further invest in it to make a, an even more um, you know, smooth experience for your users and a more robust experience for your data and your application. 
So it reminds me, you know, one of the things I think you were infamous or famous for, whichever it is, is you weren't just an advocate of the technology, you were a practitioner of the technology. You used to write your own little scripts, your own little apps, your own little samples or your own little things, but you were putting them in production. And there's a number of, you know, Kalita apps that are still running today in Google, whether it's, you know, vacation calendar reminders or, or you know, who's on call or whatever these things you wrote. Um, you used to do it all the time. And did any of those ever surprise you how popular they became or how much impact they actually had, even though it was something you wrote for your own practical purposes? Yeah, I was just tweeting today. I really think that people building something for their local needs, it's, the, it's kind of the most invisible use of app scripts because not everyone goes out there and promotes it and it doesn't show up on GitHub always. But I think that that underbelly of usage is really probably the biggest source of value that something like AppScript provides. And like as a DevRel, that's extremely frustrating that you know that you're delivering so much value, but it's locked away in 10,000 people's individual drive accounts and you can't go find them and ask them. And it's not easy to run a sum on all of the value they've created for their team or for their personal use case. Um, but I, yeah, I've, I'm a big user of AppScript. Um, like even before I joined the team, much more so after I started use, uh, working on it day to day. But you know, I have the ability to write Python code and Node and have written Java and .NET, but and I don't, I don't care about the infrastructure. I'm not really jazzed to take advantage of the latest framework. I, I just want to get the thing done most of the time. Like almost everything I do, I just want to get it done and move on to something else. I'm trying to reduce my time spent on some task, not create a new task for me to invest time into. And so for me, the kind of zero setup of app script and the fact that Google was obviously using Google's workspace tooling you know, for everything meant that it was just sit at the perfect point for me to build a whole lot of utilities. And so as Charles mentioned, one of the ones I built for our own internal team was just a vacation calendar. I think this is the one we did a blog post on way back when I joined, but the like taking everyone's vacation, scanning their calendars on your team and finding all their vacation days and then aggregating it into one calendar. And I just, I hate the paradigm where someone's like, make sure to enter your vacation days in the, this tool and then on this calendar and then on this other calendar, that, that sort of manual repetition where like, I just try to take a day off. I don't want to have more work in order to take get off from work. Um, that was one that I was passionate about. And so that was something that just ran for years, even after I left the team, uh, was still how vacation was aggregated. I also like how AppScript is, uh, like let's think of spreadsheets. You have formulas, you have utility type of things. Well, with AppScript, you can create your own custom utilities. I remember you created a uh, crop add-on, I think it was. So yeah. what, what's your thoughts about utilities in either Google Workspace or, or other things? Yeah, CropSheet is probably the thing I'm like the most proud of, even though actually oh, really? I've done a lot in my career, but this small little add-on, I don't know, it gives me so much joy. I'm just going to go get it now. I'm, I'm close to 1 million total installs wow. of this add-on. <laughs> And it's like 100 lines of code like with comments. Like it does, it's, it's very, very minimal. And I remember after I built and launched it, with the, it was one of the first things I built with add-ons. I was working with uh, uh, another AppScript expert, Andrew Stillman. And, uh, you know, he had been building crazy, complicated webs of add-ons and scripts that move data through school systems and solve problems for teachers. And he was like, oh, I can't wait to see what someone like Eric would do with this technology. And he's like, and you built crop sheet, some of the sheets slightly smaller, but for me, it's just one of, it was this itch that I have. I'm a, I'm a very neat spreadsheet user. I don't like extra rows and columns. I want everything to be neat. And for me, it was just this itch I could finally scratch. And um, I, I think 
you know, these kind of small point, you're almost adding a feature to sheets, right? You're not doing something very, very bespoke to yourself or very complicated or impressive. You're kind of adding a small feature to a Google product. For me, like, I like that. I like small, targeted, individual opt-in, customized experience. For me, I like making my tools my own, and this was one way I could do that. Um, and obviously, a lot of other people have that itch to scratch as well, since it's fairly popular. But yeah, it, this is obviously not going to, you know, um, it's not going to take over the world. I don't think I'll be, you know, it's but it's made everyone's life who uses it slightly better, like very minusculely better. And uh, but, but we've seen where you've turned simple ideas into things that catch fire, right? I mean, another one of your uh, kind of skills or secrets or tricks was you build a lot of samples. Um, to help folks learn how to use the product. And you, you're kind of famous for that as well, too. Uh, one of the ones I loved you did was the pollster one, the chatbot one. You actually showed, you know, with the new dialogue, how you actually do that. You wrote that on your own. You just, you know, unleashed it inside of Google. And all of a sudden, all these people were using it to a point where the, the product seems like, this is the, this is a core sample. It's a great use case. And he nailed it. And he wasn't even trying. Um, so you got famous for that. You're also, you're definitely infamous for them. You just said scratch a second ago. So this, this reminds me, you have a bit of a thing about cats and you wrote <laughs> the first Google Workspace add-on sample and it was all about picking a better cat image. And that became both a successful, but yet funny way of, of teaching folks how to do things. And now in your new role, we're gonna talk about in a second, you also released a cat sample, Eric, What's up with cats? <laughs> well, I think the key to making a good sample is to have what the sample does be really trivial because you want to focus on the patterns. What is the structure of the code? How do I, how do I understand it? And the more you try to do, the more logic you introduce in your sample, the more I think it obscures the other things you're trying to teach. And yeah, I found this, this, this API, the cat as a service API, that is a really simple API that lets you get a cat image. And I both loved how, the other thing I like about a sample is I don't want a sample to feel too realistic. I think if it feels too realistic, and we made this mistake, one of the samples we produced for add-ons was a translate sample. And so it was a, a, an add-on that allowed you to do translation from some language to another language. But we built it as a sample, which means we didn't actually even have all of the supported languages available. I think we had five languages. But one of the things we decided to do was actually publish it in the store, not just have the code sitting in a file. The reason being that we, we felt like we wanted to walk the walk of someone who actually had to support an add-on in the wild, right? Every time there was a, a change, we wanted to get notified of it. Every time there was users complaining about a bug, we wanted to be on the receiving end of it. We really wanted to not just say, well, here's the code, I hope it works, but rather we know what it's like to support an add-on. And so we published it to the store and we got so many like feedback and negative comments about how it doesn't have this feature, it doesn't have that feature, right? And I think it's because it felt too realistic. It felt like something you actually want to have a full version of versus no one's ever gonna say, you know what, for my job, I really need a more robust cat add-on, <laughs> right? Uh, I think it kind of shields you from, um, missetting expectations with people who don't understand that what you've produced is a sample, not something that's actually you know meant to be consumed and, and used. So one of the other pieces of work, which I think must have a phenomenal number of users is the the off libraries for app script, which seem, you know, if you're interacting with other services these days, you you you, you gotta do the off handshake and have the library there to do that. In terms of Supporting those, 
did that ever become a, a huge burden on you, given the fact that so many people were using it? Yeah, it did become very popular. It's funny, that was a case where the AppScript team, the AppScript used to have built-in support for OAuth 1, if you can remember back to those days. Um, but it became hard for the engineering team to manage. And they decided they didn't, rather than add support for OAuth 2, they wanted to rather not have a direct OAuth implementation, but instead just offer up the kind of underlying technology you would need to build an OAuth flow. And so I went out there to produce like a reference library using that technology. Here's like a way to do it. I think they had expected, and maybe even I had expected other people to build other libraries. And I know of one other, the, the GCOA library, but yeah, Bruce short is, of, yeah. But short of that, I don't remember many others actually, <laughs> at least reaching the, the zeitgeist. And so what started out as like a reference, here's how you could build an OAuth flow, became the kind of cano one of the canonical ways to build OAuth 1 and OAuth 2 um, using AppScript. And as for burden, I mean, in the early days, you know, there were obviously some bugs to figure out, but OAuth is surprisingly stable. Like once you've got mm. it working, it works. I think the, really the only effort I had to put in is that OAuth is surprisingly non-uniform, which is to say, although there's a spec, so many APIs deviate from that spec in interesting ways, adding extra parameters and extra patterns, extra keys, and you know, returning non-standard response types that most of my effort was just, someone would come in and say, it doesn't work for APIX, then I would try to get a key for APIX, do it myself, and then hopefully come up with some sort of a workaround that allowed them to continue. But that was pretty rare, like maybe you know once a month at most, somebody would find a new API that was different in a way I hadn't anticipated. So the, the overall maintenance burden wasn't that high and it was widely used. I used to have a chart using internal Google logs that could measure how many you know scripts were using it. Uh, I obviously don't have access to that now, but it did get a fair amount of use. Have you had a dollar for every you know, <laughs> millionaire by now? Plus. <laughs> it's a great great segue you just brought up. You don't have access to those scripts anymore. Um, I, I think a lot of folks want to know, not to put it, you put you on the spot, uh, but we all we all like to change sometimes. But you left us. Uh, <laughs> and for folks who don't know, you actually stayed at Google for a while after you left the DevRel team. Not to, again, put you on the spot, but, but what was kind of the impetus for changing direction? Was it just a matter of time or you were exploring something new? Like, why did, why did you leave us there? <laughs> yeah, certainly time was a part of it. I mean, you know, working in DevRel, I found I found a lot of colleagues, their time scale for when they have the itch for something new was a lot less, like eight years was, I think, unique, <laughs> at least among a lot of my colleagues <laughs> on how long does to say working on a project. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm someone, I'm, I'm not looking for change every week. I, I like patterns. I like being comfortable. And so I was happy at AppScript for a very long time in Workspace for a long time. But certainly after eight years, I started to feel a bit of maybe a desire to explore something else. I think also part of it was just- um, You got sick of the community and all their no, nagging questions. I, I found myself being too jaded, I think is what it was, where I, when you've been around something long enough, I feel like you start to lose the imagination of what's possible and mm. you start getting locked into what you've seen before. Yeah. And so I think I just became a little bit too stuck on things I had seen. And I worried that that was shutting down conversations before they happened, being like, someone coming up with a good idea and I'm saying, yeah, we tried it before, it didn't work. <laughs> you know, I feel like I was turning into a bit of a negative Nancy there and it didn't, it wasn't where I wanted to be emotionally in some of those conversations. Um, and then I think the second reason was that it was a, internally, there was a shift in who was actually on the app script team where when I joined, it was a New York centric team. I was in New York and I knew everyone and worked with them closely. 
The team then shifted to a different location. And then right when I was leaving, was being shifted again to a third right. location. And there was a lot of turnover, new PMs, new engineers. And I kind of felt like it was almost like I had to start anew with the team and form new relationships. And so I, it kind of was a natural point where I was like, well, do I want to start over in AppScript or do I want to use this as a chance to find a new opportunity? And that's what I did. So here's, a, here's the perfect line. I've been waiting to use this whole show. You basically said enough of this sheet. <laughs> Oh, that's so bad. <laughs> so if you, perfect segue, um, tell us about your new role at Coda. And by the way, I didn't, that wasn't a bad pun. That's actually a great tagline about, uh, from Coda, which is where Eric now works, which is about actually, you know, doing things differently. So tell us about Coda. Tell us about what, what, what you see it as and, and, and for anybody who's not familiar with it. And then tell us about your role there. Yeah, sure. So yeah. After leaving Workspace, I spent a year working just on a documentation team at Google. I love documentation and I love kind of um, empowering people in the workplace. And having done a year of documentation, I then discovered Coda and I was also looking for a fully remote position. And Coda for me really brings back what I think is a lot of the best aspects of Workspace and AppScript. It really kind of like um, takes a new approach, I think, to some of the things I used to solve with AppScript and tries to then bring those into a product. And so... For me, I found it as a, I don't know, it felt like going back into a, I don't know, a comfortable pair of jeans that you hadn't worn in a little while. And mm -hmm. so for me, the, although it's a different company, obviously, um, the, the ethos running through it was really spot on to what I kind of believe in and also what I experienced on the AppScript team. Um, but yeah, so Coda, if you haven't used it before, is a, it's a new kind of doc. Um, they call it a new doc for teams. Um, and another way that kind of rings true with me is it's about building a doc as powerful as an application. Mm. Um, and so as someone who did a very successful presentation on uh, going from spreadsheets to applications, it, it's a product that I think tries to do that natively within one product uh, with a little less friction between it. And uh, I'm happy to show you some of the things I use Coda for, some of the docs I've built so far, if that helps illustrate it. I think it would be awesome. I mean, I, I think it's a pretty cool tool, but if folks haven't seen it, Hearing it from you would be great. So please do. Okay. Cool. So yeah, what's uh, Coda is uh, you can sign up with a Google account and it's got a free tier. Um, and to get started, all you have to do is Coda.new, just like Sheets.new if you're used to that pattern before. And it'll launch you right into a brand new Coda doc. Um, and one of the core ideas of Coda is that we want to make it a document first. So we're not trying to build um, uh, an application editor with a database tab and the rest of it. We're really focusing on people who want to use a document. And so you, you start with a blinking cursor on a white page, right? Pretty familiar. Mm -hmm. I think the one interesting thing about Coda, and I, I mentioned this in a tweet, is it kind of feels like sites, sheets, and docs all put together. Mm -hmm. And the, the aspects of that is that you have like, you know, a title here and you have a place for text and you can just write paragraphs and you can do a bulleted list. That all feels very doc-like. Um, and then you can also add tables. And so tables in Coda are kind of like embedded spreadsheets. And so a table is a structured data table. So I think it's more akin maybe to a, um, a Google table, the Google tables product where mm -hmm. there are strongly typed columns. So each column has a type that you choose uh, including like text, a number, a date, and then every every uh, row in that column has that same data type. Um, so it's very it's more structured than a spreadsheet, but it is a grid within a freeform text area. But then on the left, you also have kind of a sites-like nav structure. Mm -hmm. So you can add pages and you can add subpages. 
And so you end up with something that feels, you know, it could just be a single doc where it's just one, one page within your doc. It's just text. It feels like a Google doc. It could just be a table uh, within a doc. It feels like a spreadsheet. It could just be like a site where it's a bunch of, of like, like a wiki. But I feel like combining all three of those is where you end up seeing a lot of value, where you're using structured data in combination with textual information in kind of a, a lab layout that helps people kind of orient themselves. And so I think what it does that's nice is it takes away that first decision, which is whenever I was working with Workspace, it was like, do I type sheets.new, docs.new, sites.new? And I think mm -hmm. there were some times where I started with a doc and I'm like, oh man, I really want to show yeah. this complex rig. So then I go over to a sheet and I'm like, oh, but how do I make it discoverable for people on my team? And then you end up building a site out of it. And I think the what they tried to do here, this we're calling it an all-in-one doc, is try to bring all of those different facets into one editing interface. And I think that that cutting out that one decision is a nice little like um, decision to take off your plate when you want to start writing something down. Absolutely. So you built a lot of tools in the past out of necessity. What are some of the things you've already built here? Can you share some of your common samples? I see the cats. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we're going to see some cats. Yeah. yeah. The cats one is, is goofy. I'll, I'll start with ones that maybe are a bit more. <laughs> yeah. um, so one thing we're doing right now, my wife and I, is we're trying to plan out Santa's uh, gift list for our three children. This was a spreadsheet every previous year, and this year I decided to try it in Coda. Um, and so... This is a, a doc I've been working on. We haven't, we haven't gotten very far yet in what we're going to buy for the kids. But it's a, it's a structured table of the actual gift ideas. And then the four column here, this is a lookup into the people table. So I have a list of people. Those are my three children. And then this is a lookup. And so you can just click a drop down and select the children. And it's a multi-select, so I can choose multiple people. And then um, a link to what we're thinking about, a price, and then a status. And the status is a lookup into a status column here. And then these, uh, all this other data is kind of magically put together. So the spent column here is a formula. Coda has its own formula language, which is similar to, but different than the kind of sheets in Excel um, formulas that came before. But I can, I can use it in a table such that I can say, okay, sum up the gifts that per child cost from this <laughs> gifts table. And then uh, figure out how much I, I, I that child and, and how much I'm actually spending on that child, and then also kind of like do a lookup into that table to say, okay, get the gifts for this child where the status is confirmed um, to see that I actually purchased it. And so, a little bit different about Coda is that the formulas are the same for the whole column. Um, it's kind of like an automatic copy down, I guess, if you're used to that copy down syntax and okay. shoes, but it's it's kind of a forced automatic copy down. So on any of these cells. I can hit equals and see the same formula and it applies equally. So, so let me ask you a question, Eric. You're, you're obviously extremely technical, um, but this feels very approachable. Uh, I know the term you use in your community is makers. Who is this tool for? Is it is it anybody? Is I mean, is it non-technical, totally non-technical? Like how far do you think it can be pushed? Um, like yeah. Who's your audience? Yeah, yeah. Um, so definitely the audience is people who want to use a doc. So we, we say that we want to succeed at the easy things that a doc can do in order to have your trust for the harder things. Mm -hmm. So we don't want to land you right into this table lookup stuff. This is what I use it for because I come from a more technical background. But you can just author a wiki or a project plan or something that just requires you to just do typing and no formulas at all. And so we want to start by making sure it's familiar and friendly for that audience. 
but then have these growth areas for more advanced use cases. And so the ones I'm demoing today are more advanced because that's what I've been writing, but you can definitely just start with text and images and paste them in and, and just work on it like a Google Doc or a site. And does um, Coda provide templates that for people looking yeah. for a quick start? Yeah, when you're creating a new doc, you have some templates as well as you have in, in doc templates. So if I have um, a page here and I already have some content and I want to add, for instance, like a voting table, I can just drag this in and it gives me kind of this uh, little little chunk of predefined um, content that uses tables and in buttons and formulas and other sorts of first class widgets we have like a, a, a little vote ticker thing to kind of make a little reusable block. And you can both use ones in the public gallery or if you have an organization, you can define your own custom templates. So if you have a certain pattern, we call them rituals at Coda, you can turn that ritual into a template and then say, okay, every time you create a, um, a product brief, make sure you drag in this template that is how we vote on the success or failure of the product or whatever it is. So this is kind of like a segue to like a knowledge expert or someone that has you know created something with a little more depth in the product, but they can easily share. It's like a, almost like a library, so to speak, right? And if, yeah. From the script world. Um, but I think actually harkening back to the old days of AppScript, the script gallery, I think it was something okay. that kind of really leveraged this pattern of the people who have the ability and the people who want to consume it and connecting them. I think add-ons did that in a different way, but yeah, this idea of like, especially within an or, within a business, and that's the thing I know Charles we talk about all the time. Back in the day, was wanting to make yep. it so that you know someone on a team or within a company can really leverage. You know, there's, there's going to be a handful of people that have the technical skill within an organization, but leveraging them to build things that then the whole team or company can use. Right. No, absolutely. What about a collaboration? I see there's a share uh, option up there. Yeah. So it, it it's very good. it feels very familiar. I don't know why my share is disabled right now. <laughs> oh, I shared this from a different account. I should share this from I think my real account where I'm doing the planning. Um, but yeah, it has a share dialogue. It's going to feel very familiar. Um, you type in a person's name, give them edit or read access. So it is collaborative and it, it works like a Google Doc. You can have multiple cursors flying around editing simultaneously. I think that's Google Docs and Sheets set the table stakes there when it comes to collaborative editing. And I think Coda has, uh, has lived up to those expectations. Um, one other thing in here is, uh, I'll show you, let, me, let me flip to one other example. This is a more complicated example. This one I put into the mobile view because this is actually what I use to go grocery shopping each week. <laughs> I do the meal planning and cooking in our house. And uh, before I was using Keep to kind of keep track of my meal plan. So I'd walk into Trader Joe's, my um, grocery store of choice. And I just kind of, I call it jazz. I kind of like see what's available, what strikes me, what's out there. And I kind of just like come up with either new ideas for something to eat or picking something up from my memory bank that I used to cook before. And I would write it down in a keep note, but it became a little hard to track if I actually had all the ingredients. So like I pick up the tomatoes, come up with an idea for a tomato dish, but then forget to get the thing I needed for it later. And so I, I tried building out this Coda doc, which is very app-like, um, which actually in, in the mobile view is what I use now when I go grocery shopping. So I'll go to the Trader Joe's and I'll hit this little plus button and I'll say, oh, I, I want to make, you know, there's pork tacos. It's what auto completes or something I've made before. Um, and I want to make a corn salad and corn salad's not listed. So I'll click corn salad. And then it tells me you need to have a vegetable. Now corn salad's my vegetable, but it doesn't know that it's a vegetable yet. So what, down here, it says, oh, you have an action item. You need to tell us about corn salad. And I'll say, all right, the ingredients for corn salad are corn, which is I've also never added corn before, <laughs> and tomatoes. And I can say that maybe that's a fall dish in my opinion. And you know, this was something where 
this is not built in. This is not hard coded. This is anyone can make any set of criteria or metadata that they want to capture. So and far, okay. Eric, so far, this is no code, correct? Uh, this is no. So this is not me writing any code. This is just no me code. using Coda formulas and Coda native objects. But now it says you can tell us what corn is, and I can say, well, corn is a vegetable, uh, and then uh, I'm done. And so now if I go back here, it says, okay, pork tacos and corn. It has a meat, a veg, and a carb component. Now I have three kids. If, if I don't have some sort of bread or carb, they won't eat anything for dinner. And so I have, I, those are my, this is my criteria. I came up with, I wanna have a quick and easy way to see, am I missing a component? Did I forget to add a protein? Did I forget to add a vegetable to a given uh, night's dinner? And then, you know, I can do some analysis where I can say, okay, I've got four meals planned so far. Two of them are meatless. The two that I have are half pork and beef, so I don't have a whole week where we're just eating pork. It gets boring. And I try <laughs> to have some just... meatless meals each week because I'm trying to reduce carbon footprint a little bit. And so, kind of like I'm, I've, I've kind of come up with an interface that kind of tailors this meal planning to exactly how I think about and uh, walk through Trader Joe's. Um, this is super geeky, and I love it. So, go back. Go, go, go first. One of the things with sheets, it's, you know, you could, um, anyone, you could open up a sheet so anyone could make a copy of it. Is it, if people wanted your meal planner, is there an easy way for them to get that? Yeah. It, 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 once I publish it and I was kind of, I think I've been using it now for about like eight weeks. I wanted to kind of walk the walk yeah. with it a little bit before I started to share it with the world and, and say that this is a good way to meal plan. Um, but once I do, I can publish it. All Coda docs can be published to our gallery. And that's where I published the uh, infamous cat doc that was referenced earlier, um, <laughs> which is my maker profile here at Ecolita has this published doc. And so someday there will be another little square here for mm -hmm. Eric's meal planning doc. But this doc and any other doc you publish, you can just click copy doc at the top and then you'll have your own copy that you can play with. And so once I get to the point where I'm happy with it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna publish it. Um, the, the cat one, which now that I have open, just is a doc. Once again, doesn't use any code, just formulas and code and natives. Kind of cycles through random cat pictures at the interval of your choice, and you can have a little slider widget to slide it up and down. And then it has a little countdown section here. Um, and so yeah, that was that was me playing around with. And then I did a deep dive into essentially how this all works with Coda formulas because wow. you know, this was me learning Coda formulas, and I also just wanted to share my learning experience. So that's super awesome. That's impressive. You can do so much sans code, but you are a developer advocate at Coda. That's right. So there's got to be opportunities for developers to do more. Can you just tell us a little bit about the development landscape? Yeah. Like what people can do, what's available? Like, you know, give us, you know, give us the pitch for developers and tell us how we can build on this. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think, you know, core to Coda's idea is that you shouldn't need to be a developer to build good things, um, but also, we want to invite developers in to kind sure. of even further. And so what we had previously was a Coda REST API. And this was, I think, what you'd expect for a REST API. List your pages, list your tables, get data from a table, make an update to a, a, a row in a table. Pretty straightforward API um, for pulling data in and out of a Coda doc. And it's used by um, some, indiv some individual customers, of course, for what they need, as well as some partners. So Zapier, for instance, as a, a integration with Coda. And in fact, you could, I, I've actually built just today to test it out, uh, a Zap that pushes from Google Sheets into a Coda doc. Um, and I think you could probably do the inverse as well. And so the REST API, I think, is a good kind of table stakes for any sort of application these days. But what we just launched, or not quite launched, what we just previewed uh, a couple of weeks ago at our block party event 
is what is our new kind of plug-in add-on infrastructure that we call packs. And so a, a Coda pack allows you to extend the building blocks within Coda. So we have buttons in Coda. Now you can kind of build your own custom buttons. And we have mm. tables in Coda. And now you can build your own custom tables that pull data from an outside source um, and a couple other um, integration points as well. And so it's it's in a limited beta at the moment. Um, but I do have some packs that I've built that I can I can show you if you want to get a sense of what they look like. Please. So um, I think what's different about packs and app script is that while app script is extremely, um, it has no boundaries, I feel like, right? You can do anything anywhere with a sheet, without a sheet, you know, it's very much just uh, a blank slate. Um, packs is launching with a bit more of a narrow focus. So it's like, it's, you, your code runs when the building block runs it, right? There's, um, and those building blocks are varied, but it's a bit more about extending, purely extending Coda versus being more of a general purpose kind of coding environment that I think abstract yeah. uh, in some ways is. And so there's a simple hello world here where you add your own custom formula to the Coda formula language. This is like the reason that AppScript was built. I, I did an interview with Mike Harm, the creator of AppScript for its 10 year anniversary. He's like, I just wanted my own formulas, right? And so I feel like that's, that's always where you start. And that's something that PAX uh, does as well. So you can create a hello world formula here that put in a name and, it, and it'll say hello to that name. Um, and you can use it in tables where, where formulas are supported. You can use it in the canvas where formulas are supported. Um, it's uh, it's just a standard you know way to add new functionality, um, and there's also the ability to have structured data. So instead of returning just strings, you can return these chips, these rich objects in Coda. Mm -hmm. So a chip is like a bunch of different information bundled together, and so formulas can do more than just return simple values. Uh, as well as formulas can integrate integrate with outside systems. So this is a Todoist to do tracking app. And we built a sync table with their API. So this table, rather than being editable, um, it, all the data here is being pulled from Todoist on a regular cadence, uh, although I haven't refreshed it. <laughs> this is not on auto refresh at the moment. Um, but it pulls the data from Todoist and then brings it into your table. And so this, I think a, a lot of app script usage is about you know, taking the report and bringing it into a sheet, taking the list and bringing it into a sheet. And this is kind of just a productized way to do that kind of normal pattern you see in app scripting sheets where you, when you're writing the code for a pack, instead of saying, put this value into A1 and put this other value into B1, you just say, here's the name and here's the description. And it just goes into the right columns. Coda, the product manages how your data flows into the doc versus an app script and in a sheet, you have to be a little bit more pinpointing and say, okay, I want this value in this row and this value in this column. So it's a little bit of a different paradigm, but I think achieves a lot of what I usually use AppScript for as well. Got it. Um, and then I did build a special pack, and I, I teased it to you earlier. But <laughs> I built a pack before I go in earlier today, uh, specifically for this call. And so I'm going to open the surprise now. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> I built an AppScript Pulse pack. Uh, Very nice. <laughs> so I took the AppScript Pulse uh, RSS feed and I built a pack around it that pulls in every um, post that has been posted on. I have the full list down here in all posts, 604 posts. You've been incredibly prolific in AppScript Pulse. <laughs> and, uh, but so then what I've done is I pulled it in and then I've built different tables off of it. So this table is in our card view. And so you can click a card and then view things full screen and get more details about a given post. 
Um, and then I also went down here and very quickly just choose an option to display a word cloud. And so this is a word cloud from all of the titles of your posts, uh, filtering out these words, which apps and scripts. <laughs> If you include those, that's the only thing you see. Everything else is, is microscopic. Um, but you can see, for instance, data inspiration is big. Uh, shout out to Yagus the Toad, who produces a lot of great content. Yeah. Um, and then you can also display that same data in a calendar view. These are all native views in, in code. And so you can see when you've posted your recent things, you can see that uh, Saturday is not a particularly busy day, I guess. I've got a life, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> I go running. Yeah, it's good. It's a step away. Even as much as you love Africa, it's good to step away. Um, and then I also just showed what else I can do here. So with, with Coda tables, you can create these you know, inline formulas. So this is a formula here that counts how many things are in, how many things have been synced. And then this is an inline control that I've tied up to this table. So I can say, OK, pick a category. And for instance, I found out there's actually an Eric Kalita category. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I can filter down to just see now the the posts about things that I created. And this was a, a good walk down memory lane, including way back to 2019, my Halloween script mm -hmm. on calculating the optimal Halloween trick-or-treating loop, which is I think perfect timing for that one to come back into play. Well, I, um, I use I use that first one in the list. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, so this 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 um, this pack, how much code behind this? Yeah, I can show you right now. Um, so one of the things they did with PAX is when they first started building an app, they only had a command line experience. But I think they pretty quickly realized in order to get you know, citizen devs, the average person who doesn't work full time as a developer, you need to have an in-browser experience. And so they actually really looked to AppScript for inspiration on like what does a good in-browser code editing experience look like? And this is what we have, what we call our, our PAX editor as part of our PAX studio. And as you can tell, it is very familiar if you've been working, especially in the newer after right. IDE, I think it uses the same underlying technology here for the editor. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, overall, a very similar experience. You type your code, no downloads, no provisioning. You hit build, and then it builds your code. So I think while AppScript is just a save command, there is an extra step here to do a build. But within a couple seconds, your code is built and then ready to use in your doc. And That's so pretty, in total, awesome. this pack was 91 lines. and. I, it would have been a little bit less because we're supposed to parse the XML for you into a JSON automatically, but I found a bug. And so I had to parse some of the XML myself, which is resulted in this incredibly nasty regular expression. But you know, overall, it wasn't that much. Um, you basically just, instead of having the URL fetch, we have this thing called context.fetcher.fetch, um, you know, method and URL, and then you get the results, and then you do some stuff. And then for the sync table, this is the key right here is that I say, OK, here's the title, link, the description, and I'm pulling these out of the XML. And then I'm, earlier, I defined a schema that said, for this table, here's the schema. It has a title, link, description, categories, and published. And so I just kind of define the shape of my data. I populate that shape. And then Coda, the platform, is turning it into this actual table that we see down uh, here, which then powers the other interfaces. That's awesome. So there is a lot less to actually write. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When I was on the AppScript team, I tried building a general purpose library for kind of like syncing data shapes into grid cells. And it's complicated, especially mm -hmm. since users can rearrange columns. Like the logic there is non-trivial. And so here, you know, the engineering team at Coda took, <laughs> took the case of solving all of that mm -hmm. complex logic around syncing rows and columns and the rest of it and allows the developer to just focus purely on the data and then have it kind of just show up in the right place. 
So for the app script developer, this should feel very approachable, very almost logical, right? Although in some cases, just less effort to do certain things. Is there anything you specifically have done to kind of help join the two flavors, Workspace and Coda? Is there any, uh, have you seen any samples where folks reach across and, and pull data from one or? Yeah, we have some solutions architects on our team who, you know, their job is to kind of demo how to, you know, solve real problems. That's what they, they come from a background of mm -hmm. let's solve a problem, not let's build an application. And so Al, one of the solutions architects at Coda, he was a big apps script user before joining Coda. And since he joined has written a number of, a, a lot of content around how to accomplish things with Coda, including how to connect it up to apps script. And so he wrote a very nice tutorial on how to sync data to and from Coda to sheets back and forth using app script. Oh, so neat. That, yeah, and so Zapier is one way. And then, you know, if you have a more targeted use case, these um, scripts are another way you can go about doing a sync. And so he wrote, uh, all of his code is available in GitHub, so you can go and download it. Um, Coda has, it uses Coda's REST API and Coda even has, one of the things we, we launched early on, uh, much to my happiness, was a, an app script library that wraps the Coda API. So you don't even need to do the URL fetch calls you can just use the library um, shown here in this, this section, put that library ID in, and then you can use uh, App Script's native libraries. Hmm. Sorry, to, uh, to kind of interface with your Coda doc. And so it makes the, the actual code that's inside of these a lot smaller. You'll see it's just, you know, this is for some complicated sync logic, 250 lines of code, and you can pretty much copy and paste it and fill in some of the, the placeholders above. That's pretty neat. And we, we have Al Chen watching. Um, I've featured some of Al's work on AppScript Pulse as well, just to bring it full circle. Yeah, he he uh, he's done a lot before I even joined, <laughs> and so I'm happy that he laid some of the groundwork for I think, you know, kind of bridging the gap between mm -hmm. these two communities. So let me ask a question from kind of my selfish perspective because I am still on the developer relations team here at Google on Workspace. Now that you're in, you're, you're you're meeting a new community, you've got a new tool. Is there anything you're doing differently to approach the way you reach people, the way you kind of, you know, show off the product of the work? Is there, is there anything you learn from the, the old days, so to speak, that you're doing the same or, or doing new? Or is there any advice you give somebody who's trying to actually educate and reach and excite people about a technology? Yeah, I mean, having the these developer interfaces not be fully launched yet means I haven't had the chance to kind of put the... <laughs> Put, put a plan and fully into action, right? We're still at the trying to get it launched phase. Um, but certainly I plan to leverage a lot of the, the learnings that I got while working at AppScript, specifically around like, how do you reach a citizen developer? You can't show up at a major right. dev conference and expect <laughs> to run into them next to a booth. They're back at home doing work, right? On their regular job. Um, then we also had a lot of conversations already about the importance of sample code and how, mm -hmm. you know, I think it's true for all developers, but I think even more so for citizen developers, you want to optimize for copy paste. You want to optimize for quick solutions. You want to show a lot more than you tell. And so I think a lot of the things I learned while working on the AppScript team and in Workspace about how to kind of you know reach this audience and and give them the right tool, I'm, I'm planning to bring forward, but I haven't had a chance to fully deploy it yet. So you have a cat sample. Do you have a mail merge sample? <laughs> uh, I do know some people have used native coda without code to do a mail merge and so it is possible it's coming it's uh there, there's still some enhancements that come there to make it even friendlier um no i haven't built a mail merge but one of the first things i did when i joined coda I'll, i think you may be happy to know is that the coda 
kind of corporate directory is a Coda doc that mm. we do, you know, we really do walk the walk when it comes to using Coda. But, but as someone who was new to the company, I was kind of constantly going between my email being like, wait, who's this person? Tab over to the, 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 the roster, look them up, tab back to the calendar, who's that person, tab to the roster. And so what I built was a workspace add-on that used the Coda API to pull data out of that roster doc that we had and display it in the sidebar in Gmail and Calendar. And so for me, it felt like the perfect marrying of like these two tool sets. And uh, I shared it with some of the people who joined the same week I did. Like, oh, this is so useful. Like, I'm always wondering who I'm talking to. <laughs> I have no idea. And uh, so for me, it felt great to kind of bring that aspect that I loved about workspace development into a company that hadn't really uh, embraced that part of it yet. Can we expect that that uh, modern cat sample to be actually Put in, and I don't mean the cats, but I mean that one. Are you actually going to publish that one in uh, the marketplace? It sounds like that's something folks outside of Coda would probably be interested. Yeah. I, and, I and Gmail users out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing about Coda is that, you know, it's really just a, a pile of Legos, right? Like Coda starts out with a blinking cursor and a lot of interesting capabilities, but you have to decide what to build. And so the specific roster doc that Coda uses and the information that's in it and how it's structured is not something that you know, necessarily that that add-on would work with any other roster doc out there. And so that one was a little bit of a one-off development. And yeah. I think there are times we're thinking about, can we do like with some of those other published docs, maybe yeah. you could copy your roster and then copy this, this workspace add-on or have some sort of templatized version of it. Um, right. I think there are options there, but it's, it's certainly a product aimed at, you know, not being one size fits all, but being something that you build and tailor exactly to your specific needs. That sounds awesome. In terms of support, uh, uh, you know, people just getting started with Coda, any recommendations where where they can go get get some help if they need it? Yeah, then we have a, a Coda.io I thought slash learn. Um, and one of my colleagues, Maria, does an amazing set of, of video courses and docs that walk you through how to um, build with Coda, how to do formulas, how do you design your tables, how to work with the schemas that we have. Um, and so that set of learn content that we have, I think it's called the learn doc that's out there somewhere, as well as those videos on the Coda YouTube channel. That's a great place to get started, just to kind of learn the fundamentals of how a Coda doc works. And I think understanding that is going to be important for understanding the eventual release of our PAX ecosystem because you're extending Coda fundamentals. So it's important to first know Coda. Looks easy now. <laughs> So where's next? What, what's, what's some of the next big things that you're working on as part of your developer advocacy reach campaign uh, but besides some more great samples? Yeah, uh, right now we're, we're pretty heads down on the, the PAX team just trying to get our documentation ready, improving our debugging. As you know, uh, we have a completely cloud development environment. All the debugging has to come from the platform, right? There's no just console logs you can just go look at. And so we're working on improving some of those core fundamentals so that when we hand it to the citizen developers, they're not just stuck or lost. And so um, that's kind of where all the effort's at right now. I think once we're ready for a GA, um, you know, our focus then is going to be really to get it out there a bit more. And so we're talking about maybe doing some hackathons. Um, yeah, you know. pack-a-thon. Did you say pack-a-thon? Yeah, so we did have, <laughs> hackathons are a big part of Coda culture. We already had an internal hackathon, which we did call pack-a-thon. <laughs> the name is too good to pass up. It's a, yeah, I, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, we want to do some some packathons to, to get people excited to build packs and to kind of like um, 
explore. There will be a marketplace as well. So in addition to building packs for your local use case, you could also publish a pack to the world and eventually charge money for it too. And we're hoping people can you know, make us a, a side business or maybe even a full-time business off of uh, building mm -hmm. packs. Yeah, yeah that, that would be interesting to see what that third party kind of partner play mm -hmm. would be, absolutely. I have a question for you. I know we're getting close on time. And before I ask the silly question, if anybody has questions for Eric with his app script hat on, that would be awesome, as well as his new Coda hat on. Um, this is a simple question. I'm just curious. What do they call people who work at Coda? What's the term uh -huh. there? Yeah, I think it's, every company needs to have a term nowadays. It's simply just a coding. So you throw an N on the end. So they're, they're codings. Codings. Codings, yeah. Not coding, just coding. No, no, not coding, just coding, yeah. When you're, when you're at work, you're coding. Yeah, I'm a coding and coding, I guess. Coding and coding. Yeah. You're, you're coding and coding. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so any questions? I got a lot of uh, love for you. A lot of great yeah. love, including some other Google. Yeah. Any rude uh, come in and uh, said hello and some other folks. Hola, um, hola. There you go. Mm. I, uh, I I have a question for you. And I, I know you you thought long about it, and I, I think I wanted to wrap on asking this. And I kind of do this most times. I, I talk to somebody who's thought long and hard about this. Um, where, where do you see AppScript going? Where would you like to see AppScript going? I know you haven't been thinking about that for a while, but you used to be one of the more retrospective people on it, or introspective people on it. Um, what, 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 what do you think the, the path should continue to be for that? And it's kind of a loaded question. I know it's kind of a, an opinion. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, certainly when I talked to Mike Harm at the 10 year anniversary and he told me about the early days and inspiration for AppScript, what really struck with me was he was feeling the exact same thing that makes me so excited about AppScript, which is seeing users who don't consider themselves developers who maybe don't even think they can code that well, who then are able to like do this thing that saves them X hours a week or saves their team all of this time and effort by automating document copying or some other mundane rote task, right? That kind of empowerment of the individual, that's kind of where, where it started. And it's something for me that's very powerful. And I think it's AppScript through some of those turns and tectonic shifts was thinking more about marketplaces and scale and partners. And that's an important aspect of any platform as well. But I think through some of that, you know, it may have lost some of the focus on the individual and solving individual granular needs. And I know that when we left the, the PM, he was kind of trying to bring it back to that, that roots, right? To kind of go back to the world of you have a spreadsheet and you have a process and you want to you want to make it better. And I think focusing in on that use case for me, like it's it's why I use AppScript, it's why I love AppScript. Um, it's what makes me, you know, uh, I, I get so much joy when I see someone kind of cross into the world of coding that didn't think they could right. and then like come out the other end feeling like a wizard, right? Um, those moments I think are really magical. And I think it's what inspires the love of AppScript. Right? It's a community that doesn't just build things. There's really a lot of love. And I think the show and a lot of the other, you know, uh, community that's out there are based around those, those feelings that come out of uh, that that moment that you have with AppScript. And so I think refocusing in on that would be where I'd like to see. And like, it has all the nuts and bolts. It's just about kind of, you know, roughing, taking some of those rough edges off, smoothing over some of those workflows. And I think, you know, um, just focusing on that part of the community, I think is really strong. Absolutely. And what, you know, I can just tell from, you know, watching you talk about Coda for 30 minutes that you also have that same kind of excitement and love for it, which A, obviously is probably what pulled you over there in the first place, but B, it makes it so much easier um, I think all of us, 
including the folks listening in one of the one of the joys of, of doing what we do is we do turn something you know hard into simple or something you know complicated into automated or whatever you know whatever the story is but it is fun to kind of achieve those things and also you know achieve it with less and i think that's what the beauty is with AppScript. uh clearly with code is you can you know do more with less and make it easier for folks to, to get to a conclusion that solves a problem so they can go on to the next one and um, I, I think it's probably why most of us do what we do with this yeah, so, totally. absolutely so we've got a couple of good comments in there um again uh, uh including some advice for AppScript, which is great pablo thanks for that we got that one i do mean <laughs> um but i, I want to pause and, and just say first of all eric you know, great to see you again thank you so much uh for for coming on thank you so much for all your years uh, in the community uh thank you for the fact that you still uh, occasionally are still in the community and, and i think you won't be forgotten anytime soon or anytime ever uh, but uh, on behalf of uh, my current team and Googlers, thanks so much for, for all you've done. Uh, Stephen Martin, I mean, I know he's been an inspiration, so I'll, I'll let you guys chime mm -hmm. in there. Well, I, I, you know, as you were talking about the journey of the AppScript developer, that, that was me um, 11 years ago, not non-coder. Look at me now. <laughs> <laughs> Not I, coding, but yeah, not, talking about coding, but <laughs> I remember at Google uh, I/O seeing you there, and I think maybe it was a document service or something like that you're demoing. So I, I appreciate all your uh, uh, advocacy for the for the App Script and Google Workspace and all. So thanks. Yeah, no, thank you both. I mean, I said it's it's the, it's folks like you and the you know. You, I did it as a job. I also loved it. It was also my job. Folks like you who kind of do all this, um, mm -hmm. this effort to kind of bring the community even further and help people and like doing support for AppScript is, I think one of the, it was challenging, but having a community of people on the forums that were helping all sorts of new users come in and solve their problems. It was a welcoming friendly community and it's folks like you who kind of really support it and make it a, it's not just a text editor for writing code. It's kind of a whole ecosystem. It was because of folks like you that, that kind of keep that ecosystem alive and healthy. And we have to thank you for um, totally unscripted. If it wasn't wasn't for the Google Apps script unscripted show. Yes, uh, I, that was my, my work in Adobe Photoshop many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so for those that uh, are unfamiliar, this was a, a YouTube show that, that I think, Eric, you're one of the staple hosts there, Aaron, I think featured quite often with you, a monthly show, just doing Q&A, talking about the latest features in Google Apps Script. So it, um, several years later, uh, Bruce McPherson got in touch with me and said, let's let's do this show again. Uh, so that's why we're here. And we're very grateful for you joining us today. Yeah, you've, you've taken it and you've, you've produced way more episodes than I think we have. <laughs> you're, you're you now own the brand, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Well, yeah, there, there is no role to check for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of uh, next week, we're back at our regular uh, slot on the Wednesday. And uh, it's quite fitting. We'll be looking at some of the uh, 600 AppScript Pulse contributions, but we'll be selecting a couple of the, the good ones and uh, hopefully getting the offers as well to come, come along and talk about those. So uh, that's next week, uh, next Wednesday. So thanks, everyone, for joining in uh, the YouTube chat. Um, your comments and um, uh, your positive messages for Eric were very um, 
grateful to have those. And um, I think we'll call it a wrap. And uh, thanks again, Eric, for joining us. Happy scripting. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you. Bye now.